We're doing a series on the Holy Spirit and today I want to talk about the baptism of fire. I actually want to um, share a testimony of uh, my experience with uh, the Holy Spirit in, in the past and um, what I'm sharing, first of all, I have shared once in this church before, but uh, for a lot of you that weren't there that day, I'll, I'm going to share it again. And I'm also going to share a prophecy that was spoken over me sometime in the past, uh, but we're going to be looking at the baptism of fire. As most of you know, I uh, was a PK, a pastor's kid, and my dad was a Baptist minister. And I grew up in a Christian family and had a really good foundation in Bible stories and understanding and knowledge of the Lord. But I always felt that I wasn't good enough. I was trying to keep all the rules in my own strength and I could never do that. And so I would feel condemned and guilty and I got to the point where I thought, well, why even call myself a Christian? if I'm a hypocrite. And so I had a period in my life where I stepped back from Christian things. But then Helen, my wife, came to live in Rotorua, where I was teaching at Rotorua Boys High. And we became good friends. And in 1983, now that dates me a lot, doesn't it? Helen was... Um, selected to be in the Youth for Christ Y1 team. And so they were to tour New Zealand, performing in town halls and schools throughout the country. But before they went on tour, they went to, they met in Auckland for three months and they had intensive training in evangelism uh, by Ian Grant and Jim Gilchrist and um, Bill Zabriskie and a whole variety of people. And Helen had all these sort of books that she had to read as part of her course. And I was quite interested in what she was learning. And I said to her, look, I don't want to get left behind here. I want to read the same books that you're reading. I want to learn about this stuff that a lot of it was new to me. And one day, uh, one weekend, she came down to Rotorua and she had Bill Sabrisky's book, Receiving the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. She said, the whole team's got to read this book. It's really powerful. And so I said to her, well, look, I'll um, go to the Christian book to shop tomorrow. She was going back to Auckland. And I'll get a copy for myself. And we will spend, we'll spend Monday fasting and praying and reading that book and listening to what God has to say to us and what our ministry gifts are. And so on the Monday morning, I didn't have breakfast and I went off to school and at the end of the day, I went into the Christian bookshop to buy my book and they said, sorry, we're sold out. Okay. Now at that time, I was living at home in Rotorua with my parents. And I went back home and I was feeling a bit despondent and um, as soon as I went in the door, my mother said, Oh, Martin, Mrs. Colpin called around today and she 
has given me a book for you. Now, it wasn't the book I was expecting. It was this book. If you care to accept it, by a guy called Brian Archer. Has any of you read this book in the past? Okay. One or two. And so I thought, okay, this is the book that God wants me to fast and pray and read and understand. So I started, I went down to my study or my bedroom, sat at the desk, started reading this book. And as I was reading it, I was underlining and highlighting sort of different parts of it. And um, then I started blurring up in my eyes. And I used to get the old migraine headache. And I thought, oh, I'm getting a migraine. And a lot of this book was about miracles and healing. And, and so I lay down on my bed and I, I said, God, if you can heal those people in Papua New Guinea, New Guinea where there's revival, you can heal my migraine. Uh, take this pain away from me. And a voice inside of me said, stretch out your hands. And I'm lying back on this bed and I put my hands up like this. And it was though I, um, I sensed a, a presence in the room that took hold of my hand. And then that pain in my head and my blurred vision went down through my neck into my arm and out. And I was healed, just like that. And then I wanted to thank Jesus for healing me and all these words started flowing out of my mouth. And so I had experienced a, a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And straight after that, I wanted to clean up my life. You know, when you uh, are trying to tune in a radio or a TV and it's just not on the, on the channel properly and you're getting all this sort of static coming through and the sound's fading in and fading out and you're just trying to get the right signal, get the tuner in the right place. I was thinking, I want to be able to hear from God. I need to get rid of all of the clutter in my life. And prior to... To coming to Rotorua, I had been teaching at Greymouth Intermediate School. And when I left Greymouth Intermediate School, I took with me a day pack that we used when we took the kids out hiking, and I took a first aid book. And a voice inside of me said, you need to send those back to the school. So I put them in a parcel, package it up, say, look, sorry, I took these with me when I left, and shared my testimony in a letter that I sent to the school. And then there was a person that I'd had a bit of a misunderstanding with and I felt the Lord was saying, look, you need to sort that out. And so I sorted out that relationship. We'll come back to that a bit later on. In 2007, we had a church camp. And at our church camp was a, um, a YWAM man who had a prophetic gifting and is known internationally as a prophet. And we, our speaker at the camp was a man called Len Butner, and he prophesied or had words of encouragement over most of the people in our church in the course of that weekend. It was a very special time. But on the Sunday morning service before, before we were going to have lunch and then camp was going to be over, 
This YWAM guy spoke out this prophecy over Helen and I. And I was quite taken aback by it because I thought, is this for real? And we have to check prophecy. Not every spoken word is a legitimate Holy Spirit prophecy. And so I've sat on this word for the last 12 years. In fact, I'll, I'll read it to you in a minute, but it'll be the very first time I've ever shared this word publicly, even though it was given in a public meeting. And I will edit out this word from the uh, tape of the service um, because it's very personal and um, I'm still trying to work out what it means. So if you can put that up on the screen, I'll read it to you. It's on two different slides. So when we went to Azerbaijan, we felt that the Lord had called us there to influence a nation. We were the only English-speaking Protestant church in a city of four and a half million people. Now, I know that there's a difference between preaching the word and preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I've been in villages, longhouses up the Burham River in Borneo, where I've spoken and I've seen the Spirit of God fall on a congregation. And I've seen people come up wailing and crying and demons leaving people and people being filled with the peace of God. And so, as I said, there's things that have happened with our health and, and different things that have caused me to revisit this word recently. I don't know how that prophecy is going to be fulfilled. It may be through a book I write when I retire. Or it might be that uh, we do get a release and, and a key that brings revival not just in this church, but in other places. And that God, you know, it's really interesting what is happening in the world at the moment. Because Martin Lloyd-Jones was saying that in the past when revival broke out, it broke out in societies that were Christian, whose foundations were on the word of God. And revival was apathetic people turning back to God rekindling the fire of God in their lives. But he's saying now that we are going beyond that. This is post-Christianity, that our society is actually throwing out Christian principles and thinks that we will be better without Christ in our society. They see it as a hindrance. But what will happen is when they throw out God's truth and God's principles, it will end in chaos. And at the end of the day, people will say, we've made a mistake. We need to return to our Christian roots, our Christian foundation, our God who has kept our society stable for many, many years. That will happen. But it's a bit like when Jesus came down from that Mount of Transfiguration. His disciples had been trying to cast a demon out of a boy. And Jesus said, this type of demon can only be cast out 
by prayer and fasting. And so what he's saying is, hey, this is more than just a quick fix. And I think the way our society is going at the moment, it's going to be more than just a quick fix, a few sort of prayers and revival falls. It's going to take prayer and fasting. It's going to take a, a major commitment of people that want to see God return to our society and the power of God operating in our society, hungering and thirsting after God and fasting and praying for a move of God. I've recently re-looked at this book and um, Brian Archer came out of a Brethren church and theologically the, there are some things where he talks about the word of God where, where I would actually use the word the spirit of God. And so there's a few little things I've had to sort of tweak and reconcile in my own mind, but at the same time there is some teaching in here that is very, very interesting and could even be a key that could unlock the spirit of God in various ways. It's called Revival Principles for End Time Christians and it's about what happened when there was this revival in Papua New Guinea. So Jesus, the Son of God, lived on earth and revealed the glory of God through his words and his actions. John the Baptist prophesied the following about Jesus. In Matthew 3 verse 11, he said, But the one who will come after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this prophecy was fulfilled at Pentecost. In Acts 2 verses 1 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire which spread out and touched each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So Jesus had promised his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But what is the significance of the baptism of fire? Most teaching on the baptism of fire is about holiness. It's about purification and cleansing. Unless we allow the fire of God to burn and destroy the rubbish and refine things in our lives, we will be limited in our effectiveness for God. You know, at the back of my section, there's a bank, and it's full of blackberries. Now, I would love to plant some courgettes and pumpkins and different vegetables and, and useful fruits on that bank, but I couldn't because it's quite steep, and the black, blackberries would destroy everything. I wouldn't even be able to get down to plant the things. So the best way to get rid of those blackberries, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, is to set them on fire. <laughs> and in a similar way, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But we need the fire of God to cleanse us with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Evan Roberts was the key revivalists, revivalist in the Welsh revival of 1904. And the revival started at the end of a service when he asked people to come forward for prayer and a group of 17 young people came forward. And he felt that the Lord was challenging those 17 people to do four things. First, put away any unconfessed sin. All right, this is like really tuning into God. Get rid of the things you know that are wrong that you're doing. If you're not sure about something, get rid of that as well. That's number two. Promptly obey the Spirit. If the Spirit is telling you, if you're hearing a quiet whisper and you believe that it's God speaking to you, obey it straight away. And then confess Christ publicly. When you are baptised, you're standing up in front of everyone and you're saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God under salvation. I don't care whether you think I'm a bit staunch or I'm going religious or whatever. I want to do this because I'm identifying myself with Jesus Christ. So all of those 17 people chose the way of holiness and revival followed. And so I shared with you after my encounter with the Holy Spirit how I also felt a need to clean up my life. I wanted no negative emotions to get in the way of my communication with the Holy Spirit. But let's look at a few verses about the fire of God. Jeremiah 5 verse 14. God said to Jeremiah, I will make my words in your mouth a fire. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. God's word in my heart is a burning fire. Isaiah 30, 27, the tongue is a consuming fire. Psalm 104, verse 4, David says, He makes his ministers flames of fire. In James, it talks about the negative force of the tongue, where it says, The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and itself and is itself set on fire by hell. So the words that we speak can be a raging fire, a fire either for good or fire for evil. And so God wants his words to be the spirit of truth in our mouths, in the mouths of his people. And so think of that parable of the sower. Some of the seeds fell among the thistles and the thorns in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And Jesus likened the thorns and thistles to the worries of this life, our love for riches, the desire for things, and the pleasures of this life. Those are things that will choke out God's word, just like my blackberries, and produce a barren, unfruitful life. So how does this relate to God's word and to the fire of God? Have a look at Isaiah 10 verse 17. It says, And the light of Israel will become a fire, their holy one a flame. Now this is talking about Jesus. Jesus. 
In a single day it will burn and consume the thorns and the briars. Jesus can get rid of the thorns and the briars. The fire of God is set against the thorns and the thistles. Hebrews 6 verse 8, But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So the Lord desires to burn the things in our life that choke out the seed and prevent the word from producing fruit, the seed from producing fruit. On that first Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit brought the release of the power of God into the lives of those disciples. The baptism of fire works firstly in our lives as a purifying agent. As the Holy Spirit takes control of our tongue, then God is able to put his words in our mouth. In Romans 1 verse 16 it says, For the word of God is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Hebrews 4 verses 12 to 13. This is a very powerful verse. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Anointed Holy Spirit words can cut to the heart, can open you up to see things from God in a new way. And so those 120 people at Pentecost, they realised that they needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And just after that, Peter got up to speak. And he spoke under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. His message was like fire. It exposed the lies and deceit of religion. 3,000 people turned to the Lord that day. They served and worshipped him. They produced fruit and brought glory to the Lord. Peter didn't even know he was going to speak. He hadn't prepared that message beforehand. He spoke out what the Holy Spirit gave him to say. They were living words and they were able to save and set free 3,000 people. Isaiah 55 verse 11 So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent it. There is anointed preaching where it's as though Jesus is here and he's speaking through his Holy Spirit to people and he's convicting people and he's challenging people and he's opening people's eyes. There's power in the spoken word that comes from the Holy Spirit living within us. You know, we live in a culture that tells us that life is all about us. But as we get to know Jesus, 
we realise that life is about much more than just ourselves. God invites us to a place of surrender to him. To find our own life, we need to lose it. To commit to, commit to dying to ourselves daily and to finding a new, true life in Jesus Christ. It's about doing life with people who encourage us in our life and in our faith and remind us of where and how Jesus is working amongst us. Unless we speak living words inspired by the Holy Spirit, we will be limited in our effectiveness. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Here we are then, speaking for Christ, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. We can speak on behalf of Christ. We can speak with the authority of Christ. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. The words that we speak can be living and powerful and active, like a double-edged sword and a consuming fire. They can cut and burn everything away, leaving a person bare before the eyes of God. We can become aware of the power and authority that we have in the name of Jesus. For this to happen, we need to bring our tongues under God's control. To not use his words selfishly or to cause harm. This is made clear in James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12 where it talks about how bad the tongue can be. God is saying, let me have authority over your tongue. Let me be the one who decides when and what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said in Mark 13 verse 11, do not worry beforehand about what you are going to say. When the time comes, say whatever is then given to you, for the words you speak will not be yours. They will come from the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a situation where you don't know what to say, but you just speak out the words that come into your head? And God works through those words and speaks to people and touches lives. So these words that we receive, they may come from scripture or through re re revelation, prophetic words, visions and dreams. We can become a new creation because we have received a new spirit, the spirit of God. We become heirs with Christ who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and fire. He comes and lives within us in all his fullness and supplies us with the ability and power to make the word within us come alive and produce fruit. So let's realize our full potential. Let's utilize this baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit in each of our lives so that we hear and obey the Holy Spirit and produce fruit that brings glory to God. Just in closing, there's a poem here that I want us to meditate on. This is by a woman called Isabel Kuhn. She says, I saw a human life 
ablaze with God. I felt a power divine as through an empty vessel of frail clay I saw God's glory shine. Then woke I from a dream and cried aloud, My Father, give to me the blessing of a life consumed by God that I might live for thee. Let's pray. Father God, we desire more of you. We cry out for a baptism of fire that will bring a purging and purifying in our lives. Cleanse us and renew us. Lord, we ask that you empower us and give us a key this morning so that the spirit of truth can speak through us to unlock doors and produce fruit for your kingdom. Give us a greater understanding of these things and help us to yield our bodies, souls and spirits fully to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, tonight, 7 o'clock at Revive, we'll be discussing these things a little more and there'll be a sort of personal application. We'll probably get into small groups and there'll be a bit of prayer as well. If there is someone that wants prayer ministry this morning, you want um, prayer for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, um, or you've got some area that you need counsel, um, we have prayer ministry people available. And let me just say that next Sunday, our focus is on healing. And we will have 12 members of a YWAM ministry team from Newcastle here with us and available to pray and anoint people with oil and pray particularly for the sick. God bless you.